How's it guys? It's Amara Gardner and you're listening to my futile optimism. Yo, I feel like I rushed through that greeting. Um, and maybe it's because I am currently feeling a lot of imposter syndrome. And this episode is meant to help with that. But like, yo, the imposter syndrome is happening, guys. It's coming full swing at the moment. Um, to the point where even recording this is making me nervous. Not because I'm like scared of what people are going to say when they hear it, but it feels embarrassing to, to like be speaking to my laptop right now for no reason. Even though this podcast has been around for months now and most, most weeks I really don't mind and I'm pretty comfortable with it. But today, for some reason, ooh, yeah, I just feel very awkward about everything. Um, and yeah, I don't like that I'm fulfilling the prophecy of this episode's title, but maybe it will be useful in explaining what the hell imposter syndrome is and how you can actually deal with it. I will just put a disclaimer that I don't know how to fix it. And this episode is mainly for me to listen to because, like I said, the imposter syndrome is hitting bad at the moment. So if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, then you are most likely a white man. Uh, (laughs) But if you would like to know... It just generally refers to like this feeling that you are out of place, that you don't belong, and it specifically relates to like achievements or recognition or social circles. So, for example, I have just started researching for a new paper that I am meant to be authoring. Um, It's like a new job, kind of. And it's awesome. It really is awesome. And the content is amazing. And it's so interesting. And it's like really, really, really fun to read up on like all the different themes that I have to. It's, yeah, wow. It's really, really the stuff of dreams. But I am pretty convinced, well, I've convinced myself that I am going to mess it up with absolutely no proof, with no evidence, with no track record to paste this claim off. That's just how I feel. So, I mean, I was trying to figure out, like, what was what was wrong with me, because the way that this project works is that there's, like, a month between deadlines. So you do your work for a month, you submit it, carry on, do the next task for a month, submit it, which is pretty chilled. It's really not, like, that strenuous. But I have just been procrastinating my whole life away, which I do normally. So like that's not out of the ordinary. I am a master procrastinator. But I was trying to figure out why on this particular thing, because the content is amazing. So the actual research paper is about land expropriation, which means that eventually we'll have a podcast episode dedicated to the land debate. Um, but yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, why am I putting off this task that I really am enjoying? And I had no good answer for it. And then I didn't figure it out immediately. I wish it was that simple. No, obviously there was a lesson that I learned from 
my pool. Duh. I took a break from doing the research. Okay, let me be honest. I took a break from taking the break from the research. I went outside, chilled by the pool, and I needed to replace one of the equipment pieces. But I couldn't because one of the nuts and bolts, those things, was rusted. So I could not remove the old one and put the new one in, which meant that I had to break it off. And I couldn't break it off because I routinely skip all exercise days. (laughs) Anyway, I have been trying for like a day to break this thing off. And I don't need the nut in the bolt anymore. I can break it off. I can really do that. All I have to do is actually be strong enough. So I spent like an hour trying to break it off again today. And for like... 20 minutes of that hour, I just sat next to the equipment and did absolutely nothing. And the reason was because I was very aware of the fact that there were two contractors who were in the house fixing a different issue in the house. And just the fact that they were around, that they were near made me feel like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. They're going to see that I'm trying to break this thing and that I can't do it properly. And it's going to be awkward for all of us. So let me just save everyone the embarrassment and the weird social situation and just not do anything for 20 minutes until they are done. And then I was like, what the hell? I had to check myself. I had to pull myself towards myself and be like, listen, you are the resident pool boy. You know how to do this. And if you don't, it is not a reflection of your pool skills. It is a reflection of your muscle strength, which is a completely different problem and is not an indictment on your ability to balance chemicals in a body of water. So I needed to understand that I can pretty much fix everything in our pool, except a few things that require sheer brute. And the only reason I was being weird about it was because I knew that there were other people around that had some superior sort of knowledge over like using tools. Because if it was just my family at home, I would not care. I would literally spend hours trying to break that thing and still walk away with all of my pride because I would know that pretty much none of them could have broken that thing faster than I could. It was only because I was intimidated by the amount of knowledge that these contractors, who I do not know, have. And then I realized that's probably why I'm putting off my research as well. I might just be making excuses for my procrastination, But the nice thing is that I will never actually know if I'm making excuses or if this is the legitimate truth. I think that I was putting off my research because I was scared that I was going to mess it up or I was embarrassed about my lack of knowledge on the subject or I was just hesitant to submit something that was going to be subject to critique because... I inherently felt like, no, dude, you're not getting this right. Like, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that is not a vibe. It's not a nice feeling in any situation. But, I mean, very specifically when it comes to a job, it's really, really, really crappy to be like, I'm going to do this, but I don't think I'm doing a good job. 
I mean, if you don't have imposter syndrome or if you've never experienced this, then you are probably very, very confused because what's the big deal if you are not, you know, good at something, you learn, you practice and you get better. Yeah, that sounds so lovely in theory, but my brain does not understand how that process works. And since I have acknowledged that I have a procrastination problem, I have, instead of dealing with the procrastination have spent most of my time trying to figure out why I procrastinate. So my rough conclusion is that I have imposter syndrome when it comes to focusing. I have never been one of those people that are able to focus on a task. And so if I begin to focus now, then who am I really? Not me. It would mean that I'm someone else. And why am I trying to steal someone else's personality? So in order to stay true to who I am and who people know me as, I must not focus ever. I must be distracted perpetually and distract others at all costs, no matter what. I mean, I've just been thinking about all of these things. And it's just, it's it's so nice and validating that this is a common experience. But it's also like, flip, guys, why can't we just get our lives together? You know, why can't we just accept that sometimes we deserve nice things and that sometimes there are things and skills that we will not be great at immediately, but that we will have to practice and fail at. And I think this this idea of like being comfortable with failing initially and not just being like an instant success is partly why I don't know how to ride a bike. I'm quite scared of falling off and I know that it will be inevitable. So, yeah, I am 20, 23 years old and I don't know how to ride a bike unless the bike has training wheels, in which case I am an absolute master at that. So I was just thinking, like, what's the opposite of me then? You know, what's the the ideal type of person that does not have imposter syndrome? And, I mean, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't a person at all. It was the infamous mosquito. That's who I want to be. I want to be as confident as the mosquito that just comes into your house. No matter how many insect repellents you can spray, your entire house will be smelling of doom. But that mosquito does not care. Because all it wants is to get blood from you for its babies. That's why mosquitoes bite us, just by the way. It's really disgusting. All of us have essentially fathered millions of mosquitoes. Um, but yeah, they walk into your house with this swagger and this confidence. And even if you sometimes kill a few, you know that others will be back and they will try and they will risk that death. And I mean, you, you hate them, of course, everybody does, but you have to admire that sort of commitment, that sort of confidence, that sort of ambition. It's just... Wow, if I could have that level of belonging, I I don't know who I would be. A, a completely different person. I mean, a completely different species, to be factually correct. But you know what I mean. If you're still not getting it, then an example of something that does not have imposter syndrome would be like a Windows software update. You know, when you just have been charging your laptop all night and you woke up literally three minutes before your Zoom meeting and you press the power button and your laptop is like, we are installing updates. Please do not shut off your computer. 
and you can see that things is five percent and it's not even buffeting. Buffeting is a way too generous a word. But no one gave that thing permission. Nobody asked Windows to update your software. It just did. It just waltzed in, made sure that it was at a specific time that was going to be inconvenient to you, and decided to update whatever needs updating. Like, wow. Wow. Now you might be thinking that that's quite annoying of Windows and is actually quite arrogant, but I don't think so. I don't think so. And let me explain why. An example of someone who is arrogant and therefore does not have imposter syndrome is the person we all must strive to be, which is the mediocre white man. Now, I'm kidding. Obviously, we should not strive to have the arrogance, but the confidence there is just off the charts, man. Absolutely off the charts. Uh, To be honest, even when white men have absolutely nothing of value to add, they will convince themselves that what they want to say must be said. Even if it's a point that's made one second before they said something, even if it's a point that's completely irrelevant to this discussion, even if it's a point that is blanketed in bigotry, they will do it. And they will walk away feeling pride and not even notice that absolutely everyone in the room is rolling their eyes at them. In fact, if there is a white man who listens to this podcast, they will not even be offended at this example. And that is impossible for me to imagine. Imagine someone made a whole podcast segment that was just about how your confidence is problematic and it didn't even make you flinch. Your, I I can't even comprehend As a side note, if you would like to see an example of this, because you think I'm exaggerating, you can look up an article by someone named True Forest, which I know sounds like an activity that you assigned to a preschool child. But no, True Forest is this guy's real name. And he was so confident in his suboptimal views that he even has his views published. And one of those views is the recently published article of his that speaks about how the world is full of fascism because people are not allowed to be transphobic. Ugh, shocking. Um, yeah, the whole entire thing is problematic and it's on the Mail and Guardian website. I'm not trying to plug it because I had to read the article in order to understand what everyone has, was upset about. But it's a stupid article, obviously. And the whole thing just like ignores the actual concerns that people have. It is just full of like this arrogance where you don't really care about delving deeper into the issue or understanding the issue properly. You form an opinion and you think that opinion is absolutely pivotal to the rest of the world's development and you think it's worth putting down into words and actually publishing and somehow some editor agrees with you as well. Um, That's not always the case so we should definitely not be that type of arrogant and I guess if you are going to write like a think piece about how it's okay to be bigoted and you shouldn't face consequences for that, um... Maybe expect that people will talk about you on their podcasts. Now, as a side note to the side note, if you are quite confused, his argument is that the world society has been so unfair 
by cancelling people like J.K. Rowling and Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and another person named Kathleen, which is really funny because how can there be two problematic Kathleen's in the world? That's just like, oh, wow. Um, he says that it is unfair the way that they have been treated because all they said was that if someone is transgender, that that is irrelevant when it comes to their sex because their biological sex is something that's determined at birth and that is unchangeable. And therefore, we should not claim that sex can ever be something that's changed. He says that that type of a view is, whether you agree with it or not, that it should be allowed to exist in the world. And I get what he's saying, but he does not ever address the issue of the actual harm that those sorts of words and those sorts of messaging puts out into the universe. He's very concerned about harm, but specifically harm in the form of like censorship. So he calls it fascism, the fact that people get to tell J.K. Rowling that she is transphobic. That in itself is fascism, according to him. And the, you know, the mere fact that people can be actually murdered because of their sexual identity, that's, I guess, not fascism. Or oh, that's not maybe like a social ill that we need to be worrying about. I guess the point that he misses and the point that J.K. Rowling misses and the point that Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie misses is that your intentions may not be to harm someone. So when you say, I don't believe that you can change your sex, you might genuinely just think that that is your opinion and that it's harmless. You might genuinely believe that it's harmless. But there is already an existing world where people use those sort of opinions to attack, exclude, kill those who are transgender. So you think that you are not contributing to a discourse that is very dangerous and is quite literally a life or death situation, but you are. And when people who are in those communities tell you that you are, you have absolutely no right to turn around and tell them that they are being too sensitive or that they are being fascists. Because after all, they are the ones who have to face the consequences of whatever words you say, whether it's to their face or not. But when you have a following as incredibly huge as the people who I've just mentioned, you have a responsibility to at least not incite any sorts of violence against anyone. And violence is not just like a physical thing, right? People can perpetuate violence in many different ways. You don't even have to agree with lifestyle choices that people make. That's completely irrelevant to the discussion. But if you are aware of the fact that others who prefer to take matters into their own hands, in inverted commas, that they attack this group or that they marginalize this group or that they don't believe this group should have any rights or that they believe that this group should be murdered. And you think you are just friendly commenting on the issue and being quirky and cute with your own free thoughts. Most of the time you're not doing that. Most of the time all you're doing is becoming a footnote in the long list of justifications that bigots use 
in order to explain why they thought it was okay to kill someone. I mean, if that's the legacy that you want to have, then that's fine, but own it, you know. Don't be that person and then be upset because nobody wants to listen to you anymore. Like, you can't have it both ways, okay, Drew, and all of the other human beings that I've mentioned in this thing. Now, that side note may seem very, very, very irrelevant to the issue of imposter syndrome, but what I was trying to say was that Drew has the opposite of imposter syndrome in a very bad way. And to be honest, as much as I hate imposter syndrome, I would rather have it than be like Drew. But anyways, anyways, there is a happy medium, of course, there always is. One where you can acknowledge that, okay, I deserve to be in this awesome place because I've done pretty cool things and I'm capable of doing cooler stuff even. And I'm going to do that now. And that's wonderful. And that's something that all of us need to be doing. Do you know what's really, really interesting? I was researching imposter syndrome and I didn't know there were so many different types. But like, there's a lot of us, guys. There's a lot of us. Um, Some people are perfectionists. So if they don't do something absolutely 100% correct, then they tend to like criticize themselves and think that they failed and that they, you know are not worthy of doing this task because they didn't do it perfectly. That's not me. I don't really care about being perfect. Um, Then you get people who are the natural genius. So they just get things first time, man, first time. And if they don't get it immediately, then that means they suck. And that means they deserve bad things. I'm not that either because I don't think I've ever considered myself a natural genius. Um... Yeah, don't even think I've considered myself natural, to be honest. Then you also get someone who is the rugged individualist. You should be able to handle everything solo, is what you believe. This isn't me. Um, Yeah, I am literally speaking into a program that will make sure that other human beings can hear what I have to say. So, definitely not me. Um, Do you get the expert? The expert who wants to research absolutely everything they can before they even attempt the task. And often that just makes the task very, very, very long and makes them feel like, oh, it's taking me way too long to learn this thing, which means I'm probably not good at it, which means that I don't belong here and therefore I'm a failure. And sometimes I'm that, sometimes I'm that, but to be honest, I'm actually the coolest of all, which is the superhero. So... Yeah, if I don't succeed in every single role that I have, then I tend to feel like it was because I didn't belong in that role. And I mean, I guess sometimes it's not a bad thing. Like sometimes you should question, do I fit in here? Is this the right spot for me? Is this the right fit for me? But not when you're like, oh my gosh, I... I'm finding this task so difficult, which means I'm definitely not cut out for this. Like, sometimes it's meant to be difficult. Sometimes it's fun to be difficult. Sometimes that's the point, you know? Like, Sudoku or Wordle, that's literally the point. It's supposed to be difficult, and when it's a little bit less difficult than usual, then it's a wonderful feeling. (laughs) Now, apparently there are different ways to combat imposter syndrome, but to be honest, the one that I find most effective is the fake it till you make it principle, which is literally as it says. You have to pretend like you know exactly what you're doing. Unless you are like operating heavy machinery, then maybe don't pretend and actually ask for help. But 
for the rest of us who will never ever do that, just pretend. Pretend like you know exactly what you're doing. And if you don't, you'll figure it out. Google is there, which is a wonderful resource. YouTube also convinces me that I'm a genius sometimes. But there are literally so many opportunities for us to fail and to learn. And I guess we really have to acknowledge that sometimes those things are really life-enhancing. Now, I obviously can't speak for everyone ever, but if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you are a pretty cool person. And I hope that you know that. And if you don't know that, then now you do. Because as I just said, I'm a superhero and everything I say is therefore true. And in the aid of saving the universe. So you have to believe me. But you're way awesomer than you think you are. And if ever there was a time to actually prove that, it would be now. This year is the first year since COVID started that I actually bought a diary and a calendar. Both of those things. Because I believe that this year will be absolutely wonderful. And in order for it to be fully wonderful, I have to be fully wonderful as well. And then I have to acknowledge that I'm being fully wonderful when I am. So, yeah. I'm not going to make space for imposter syndrome anymore. And I hope that you don't either. So, here's to us. And here's to hope.